This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. It's another busy week and, uh, as we approach this debt limit showdown. As we tape on Monday, President Biden is scheduled to meet with Speaker Kevin McCarthy at the White House uh, to try to rescue these debt limit talks that were floundering all weekend, on again, off again. We want to talk about what we know right now in this very fluid situation of prospects for a debt limit deal and what that means for appropriations, because there are also markups scheduled this week on the House side to get going on these fiscal 2024 spending bills, finally. Uh, Joining me for all that is Aiden Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here again, Aiden. Thanks for having me, David. Always uh, nice to talk to you about exciting budget-related things going up on the Hill, and it's definitely a uh, really important time uh, with the debt limit. Well, it's a critical time. This is the most important thing they're going to do all year, really, is resolving this debt limit fight because so much rides on it, as you know. They're really worried that, you know, if you have the first ever breach, what it does to the financial markets, what it does to our our debt credit ratings, what people are warning could be a catastrophe on our hands with, with thousands of job losses and whatnot. So there's a lot riding on this. The stakes are pretty high, and it's been such an unpredictable ride so far. As we say, it's very fluid as we tape on Monday morning, so literally anything could happen. This this changes by the hour. But we want to bring folks up to date with what we know right now, which is we're, we're uh, bracing for this, this uh, White House meeting between the President and the House Speaker the two top key negotiators for any debt limit deal. The Senate's been taking a back seat in this this effort this year. The theory being that under divided government with a Republican House, any deal has to come from the Republican House and a Democratic president. And then the Senate will just sort of rubber stamp whatever they can come up with. We'll see if that works. But meanwhile, what began last week with some high hopes of of approaching a deal sort of collapsed over the weekend here, and you ended up with with each side accusing the other of throwing up all these new roadblocks to a deal. Things got pretty testy, even with the president overseas in Japan for that G7 summit. You know, it sounded like he spent half of his time over there communicating back to Washington to see how these debt limit talks were going because nothing is more important for his presidency right now than resolving this debt limit crunch. And so where we are now, I think, Aiden, is is kind of a mess because, you know, the big hang up here is Republicans want to attach spending limits to any debt limit increase. That's their bottom line. And McCarthy has been adamant that spending has to has to be less, he says, next year than it is this year. 
uh, which means some some dramatic cuts. He's talking only, we should say, about discretionary spending, the spending that Congress controls each year through the appropriations process. It's not the key driver why we have these big, big deficits. That really has to do with entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, but they don't want to touch that. It's too politically painful. And so the entire focus has been on the third of the federal budget that deals with discretionary spending. That's where Republicans want to make their stand because that's where they can control things more easily. Uh, so a lot of this is political, symbolic. But it is the key roadblock to increasing the debt limit, as both sides acknowledge needs to be done. And both sides now appear willing to limit discretionary spending, but there's a huge disconnect, right, in terms of how much they're willing to cut. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, Republicans for a long time have been talking about getting back to the fiscal 2022 top line level which would be a cut of $131 billion from the top line fiscal 2023 level, which is where the Biden administration has kind of landed saying, you know, we're okay with keeping this level, you know, into, uh, you know, the fiscal 2024 process as a, a freeze of sorts. But Republicans are saying, no, we need a cut, a real cut below. You know, a freeze is essentially a cut if you factor in inflation, Right. Uh, is what, what Democrats would argue, but you know Republicans definitely uh, want to see a kind of a more uh, more real, more serious uh, you know cut to federal spending, discretionary spending. And on the, the non defense side, that's the other piece of this. Uh, Republicans you know want defense spending to increase, which would mean even greater cuts to non defense. While the Democrats want you know both you know are trying to protect non defense uh, spending. Right. And those, I think, are the two biggest hurdles here, right? Because the White House did give a little ground over the weekend by proposing to roughly freeze spending at this current year's level for next year. Biden said, you know, you compound that over time, it it amounts to about a trillion dollars in savings over a decade. But that's not going to sell for Republicans, because keep in mind, McCarthy, you know, In order to win his speakership, which took 15 rounds of voting in the House, he did pledge to his conservative flank that he was going to pare back spending to fiscal 2022 levels, last year's levels. That's a much greater cut, as you point out, way more than the White House is willing to do. Their proposal was going to save over $3 trillion over a decade, not not $1 trillion. That's a huge order of magnitude difference here that would have to be closed in terms of how much they're willing to cut. Yeah. And Democrats have been spending the last four months blasting the Republicans' proposed cut to fiscal 2022 levels, saying it would harm veterans and basically any program, federal program you can think of. Uh, Every agency sent letters to, you know, House Appropriations. Um, making member votes to Laura explaining how cuts, you know, of that magnitude would hurt their agencies. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult to see a scenario in which Democrats uh, accept a cut of that of that severity uh, after spending so much time saying that it would really decimate these federal programs that are really important to their constituents. And as you brought up the defense spending, which is key, Aiden, too, because you know, as part of the White House proposal, they were willing to roughly freeze spending at this year's levels. 
but they wanted the freeze to apply across the board, including defense, because defense, you know, makes up about half of all discretionary spending. It's a huge deal. And Republicans want to increase defense, right? So that, that um, there was a study that came out uh, over the weekend that just said, if you want to protect defense and veterans from these cuts, as, as Republicans say they want to do, everything else has to cut, be cut by about 12% under the White House proposal. So, I mean, that's just, that is going to be hard for them to get their heads around as to how they work out. There's just a huge partisan gap there in terms of in terms of spending priorities. I don't quite see how they wrestle with that. And then the White House threw a new wrinkle in over the weekend because Biden faulted the Republicans for not considering any tax increases as part of this deficit reduction effort, you know, saying the rich have to be willing to pay their fair share. He's bringing that back in. McCarthy took great offense at that, and he and said Biden is backtracking on his word that he they when they had met privately, Biden seemed to acknowledge that tax increases would be off the table. Now he's he's you know McCarthy said Biden went overseas and now he's changing his tune and he wants tax increases as part of this. I mean that I don't see how I mean there's no way McCarthy can get a bill passed in in his house with a tax increase. I think that's a fair thing to say, right? I, I think that's definitely a fair uh, assessment, but it would make sense for the White House, you know, we're still, obviously time is ticking here, but we're still in the relatively, uh, maybe somewhat earlier stages. Like it's not so late in the negotiations that the, I think they are uh, lighting a, a match and throwing a match in with that suggestion. But I, I think uh, from their perspective, you know, if they want to get serious about, uh, you know, cutting the deficit, you know, having more revenue would be sensical. But back to your point here about the House, and it is definitely not, uh, you know, the coffee wouldn't even bring a tax increase to the floor uh, under any circumstance, it seems. Uh, right. And the White House must know that. I mean, so yeah, I, I, have to, I have to assume that's just some noise the White House is trying to throw up here. For leverage purposes, or or to, or to score points with his political base, maybe to show how hard he's fighting, you know. Exactly, and my point is that it's not so far into the like we're not close enough to the end of the negotiations. We're doing that would be truly toxic. We're still in the it's playing on public stage, and uh, you know I think things things might get really quiet really soon, which would be a good sign that. Uh, well, yeah, that that may be optimistic, Aiden, because I mean, w- there's now only ten days left before this alleged uh, June first deadline that the Treasury Secretary has set, saying as soon as June first, they may be unable to pay their bills. Uh, we've got, I think, exactly ten days here as we tape on Monday. That's not a lot of time now to to get a deal and to write the bill and to get it passed through both chambers. You know, it's starting to really do, do come. It does come down to the wire pretty quickly now, uh, unless they're going to just punt this and do a short-term debt limit patch, which is still a possibility. I think if they're just at loggerheads, something has to happen here by next week. Yeah, I think I think both sides of this debate know that default is really not a uh, feasible option. But I, maybe I am taking too optimistic of a of a look uh, at how these negotiations are going to proceed from here. Uh, but it is hard to see that. Uh, it's still hard for me to see that possibility happening when there are negotiations that are ongoing. 
Biden yesterday was was sounding optimistic. I, I am really interested to see, you know, how Biden and McCarthy sound coming out of today's meeting. I think that will really be uh, telling uh, right. as we uh, move forward here. And if you want to be hopeful, I mean, a deal could literally come together in a night. You know, once they agree on these spending caps, uh, it, it gets pretty easy to write the deal. That that's I think the main hurdle. We should say there's still some there's still a dispute over trying to toughen some work requirements for some uh, maybe some food stamp and welfare programs. Democrats don't want that. Republicans are eager to to expand work requirements for recipients. Um, not big money at stake there. It's more it's more kind of symbolic, but um, that's another fight that has to be resolved. Although I think that's a much lesser problem than these spending caps. And there's a, there's a, there's still the issue of they're trying to streamline permitting for some energy projects. Uh, that's a big priority for Republicans trying to boost domestic energy production. Democrats are not necessarily opposed to that. The devil's in the detail there as to how they do how they do permitting. But again, that's that's I think uh, easy to see common ground coming together when a deal is ready. I think that could get included in this package. Um, so there are some extraneous factors here, but I, you know, the the spending caps is really the crux of the matter, and there's still a fight over this this extra money for the IRS that got approved last year that Republicans want to claw back. That came up over the weekend. Um, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made a vigorous defense for that money on one of the talk shows Sunday saying, look, this is to to crack down on tax fraud. Uh, There's like $7 trillion that could be collected in extra revenue over the coming decade. With if we if the IRS actually had the, all the staff it needs to pursue enforcement, and Republicans just see this as an army of of tax auditors coming after the middle class, which the administration says isn't true, but that's powerful imagery, and and Republicans uh, can score political points by trying to protect middle class taxpayers from the IRS. It seems like that's getting mixed into this into these talks right now as well. So there's there's all these these things kicking around. But as I say, the crux of it are, is the spending caps. And Aiden, we should also talk about where we stand on appropriations because you know, they're only just getting going for the coming fiscal year which does begin October 1st. They won't be ready. Things will be late again, of course. But the house is trying to start moving some of their bills. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but things are likely to be late. I, I do think that if there is a spending cap top line agreement made in this debt limit, it's you know late May, early June. I mean, if there is ever going to be a year in which they get things done on time, or at least earlier than we've seen in the past couple of years, it would be this year if they can reach a debt limit deal. If you uh, want to place a friendly wager on that, I'd be happy to bet that it's late again. But <laughs> I've seen this too many times, but... Um, they just can't. They just can't get it. They just can't get it together in time. You know, they're out the whole month of August, and then they come back in September, and you need a continuing resolution. You know, the stopgap because they're it's crunch time, and so inevitably it gets delayed. But we'll see. Um, but in any case, the House is actually getting going on on some of their spending bills. There are they've got four of the twelve annual bills that are headed to a full House Appropriations Committee markup this week, but these are the only ones I think that that the House can tackle right now, right? 
Yeah, I think the idea here is that these are the four bills that will be the uh, easiest to get across the floor. Uh, military construction, uh, homeland security, agriculture, and legislative branch. Uh, the military construction and homeland security bills feature increases, while the agriculture and legislative branch fe- feature a smaller decrease than the other bills that we'll be seeing coming down the line. Uh, if they do end up marking, if there is a spending cut, which obviously we uh, expect it to be. So I think this general strategy is get these bills moving right now, see what happens with the debt limit. Presumably they'll have a little bit more money uh, than the fiscal 22 levels to work with when they're writing the rest of the bills and uh, to, to go from there in, in June with another round of subcommittee and, and full committee marks. Yeah, the the point here being that that these are the four bills that are easy enough for Republicans to actually support right now, because these are the bills that they're willing to sort of mostly increase or cause very little pain. I mean, they, this agriculture bill, they actually cut the the discretionary allocation for it, but then they they basically muted all the damage by clawing back some unspent money. It gets complicated accounting, but basically they found money already appropriated that hasn't been spent yet and applied it to this bill so that there's hardly any cut in the bill. So it made it very palatable for Republicans to, to be able to pass that. And then on the Homeland Security, that's a big increase. They would boost the Homeland Security Department and resume the fight over over building a, a southern border wall, which Republicans love. There's $2 billion for a border wall again after that had been on a deep freeze for a couple of years under Biden. So those are those are sort of easy bills for House Republicans to get behind, as well as, of course, the military construction. That includes the Veterans Affairs Department. And they put a big something like an 11% increase, I think, for the Veterans Department. So that's a, a huge seller for them. So those are the bills that are easy for them to pass. You notice they haven't even taken up the defense bill yet because I think within the Republican conference, they're still a little torn over what to do about defense because it's big money at stake. It's about half of all of, of the big discretionary budget pie. And there's a little debate within the Republican caucus about how much do we really need to increase defense? You know, some some want a big increase, some want to sort of hold it flat, I think. So they haven't even taken that one up. And the other bills that are coming down the pike, they want to cut. And so those are sure to be potentially impossible to pass on the House floor because the margins in the House are so narrow. You know, Republicans only can spare four votes, I think, among their flank because Democrats are going to oppose all these. These are all going to be party line votes. So this is sort of a quick start for House appropriators on these four bills until we end up frozen again, right? Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's a good way to sum it up. Uh, You know, I think I think we'll. These are the bills again that they are most confident in, and. We'll see how they move through the uh, appropriations committee, and then on the floor potentially in June or July. We'll we'll have to wait and see uh, how the floor time shakes out. But moving these bills through committee is definitely a important first step that we will uh, see this week. Yeah, and so I, I do think they would have the votes to pass these four bills, 
both out of committee and on the House floor, assuming nothing wacky happens, and Democrats are going to vote in unison against them, right? Yeah, you would think you would think they would be able to pass these. They're definitely going to get out of committee. Uh, very seems like they should be able to get across the floor. But again, the margins are so small. It's definitely something we'll be keeping a close eye on because uh, there's really very little breathing room, and uh, you know, there's always things that come up uh, when you're trying to move uh, move big big bills, big spending bills like these. And of course, Democrats argue that that their real concern here is is that because these bills have have good size increases in them, their real fear is if these bills go forward, how much of a of a whack do all the other bills end up getting cut, right? Because they know that Republicans are trying to really pare back spending overall. So they're not willing to play this game at all, and they're going to march in unison against these bills. So that's sort of the basic. And then and then until the, the debt limit problem is solved, they won't know what the overall discretionary spending limit is going to be for the year. And until they know that overall limit, they can't really move on any other any other appropriations bills. Yeah, I think I think that that summed it up really well. Uh, I, you know, I do think that I would predict that they'll settle somewhere between the 2022 and 2023 levels uh, as a spending cap, which would give appropriators a little more breathing room to write bills that might be a little more acceptable, but to, acceptable to the House, the moderate House Republicans that they're going to need to get on board to pass these bills across the floor. But at the same time, the cuts you know will will be pretty significant, uh, regardless, and and they definitely risk losing some of the more uh, swing district moderate members who you know don't really want to be taking votes to slash spending to some programs that are politically popular. Uh, to get these uh, bills passed. So definitely going to be interesting to see how it all plays out on the floor. But I think the debt limit is the first uh, big domino to fall uh, when you start thinking about that next, you know, the next eight spending bills uh, on the House side past these initial four. Yeah. So everything rides on this debt limit deal that has to come together uh, within days here, if not sooner, because they're facing a real crunch. That's all the time we have for today. We will be covering the debt limit saga intensely over the next few weeks and see what what happens there. But that's all we know for now until we see this White House meeting later today and whether they have anything to announce. You can find all of our coverage at CQ.com and RollCall.com. If you like what you hear here, you can sign up for the CQ Budget Newsletter, which We'll hit your inbox every morning when Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. Thanks again to Aiden Quigley for joining me today. Thanks, Aiden. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time. 